um, if you're not relying on your phones or whatever optic system you're using that can help you with that, I would, you know, plan ahead, not do a, I'm going to go out one day and hunt situation. It's mm -hmm. a go out and understand the terrain, the mountains and everything and get a feel for how the wind is out there um, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis. So that when you do decide, Hey, the day, today's the day you're ready and you mm -hmm. have a little bit more experience. You guys are getting really good at answering questions. <laughs> no, that's that's it. Get out of the damn truck. Like Out of the damn truck. Get out of the truck. Start, start building that's your experience. The, that should be the name like, of this episode. Get out of the damn truck. <laughs> <laughs> These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military, the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Welcome to the show. Ashley. What's up? How do you spell your name? A-I-S-L-I-N-G. Why is your name spelled like that? Because uh, my parents don't like me. No, I'm kidding. It's Irish. How Irish? Very Irish. Extremely Irish? Super Irish. What are some characteristics that we can use to identify an Irish person, like, in the wild? Okay. In the wild? Mm, definitely. Freckles. Mm -hmm. Very fair skin. Mm -hmm. And if they're fair skin and they're in the wild... Probably sunburn. Okay. And the ears. What about the ears? It's the Irish ears. What are Irish ears? So they stick out. They're definitely uneven for sure. Some are satellite dishes. Some are smaller and they just like fold down. <laughs> Mine, I put a hat on and they stick way out. For this event we're at, Hunter Games, I put my Hunter Games hat on and my fiance was like, take that off and don't wear it. <laughs> You're about to get married. Yes, I am. That's cool. 18 days. Caitlin. Hi. Who are you? Uh, Caitlin Farden. Okay. Tell me more. Um, I am with Six Hour. I'm part of the events team. And we are here in beautiful Evanston, Wyoming. Very beautiful. For the Sick Hunter Games. I wouldn't go so far as to call Evanston beautiful. Mm. However, hmm. here in the Uinta Mountains, Queen Mountain Ranch, this place is beautiful. But Evanston, Wyoming, you know, it's it's Wyoming. Well, where Queen Mountain Ranch is is absolutely gorgeous. 
It's beautiful. It is. This is a really pretty spot. Mm-hmm. Lots of wildlife. You guys saw some wildlife tonight. Yes, we saw a lot of wildlife. Mm-hmm. Caitlin saw her first moose. Yep. And we're from New Hampshire. Raised in New Hampshire, and I saw my first moose today. Cool. So that's that's on. I I'm very excited. Yep, we saw a lot. It was mm-hmm. really cool. Some elk, bull elk, mule deer, mule deer with the big old ears. Mm-hmm. Very cute. It was awesome. Nice. Well, we are here um, on this podcast, this episode, to answer some questions that folks have submitted, and they're they're looking for some hunting advice. So, starting out, um, Plan B Outfitters has asked, "How do you find giant bucks?" slash bulls without getting out of the truck? Yeah, I mean, I think the solid answer to that question is you just have to get out of the truck. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to commit to hunting, you have to get out of the truck. Might have to walk somewhere at some yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I it's, feel like that's part of the experience. Yeah, you can't do it from the truck. Mm-hmm. It's the lazy man's way. Yeah. Mm. Well, plan B, there's some shifty characters mm. for sure. I know those guys. Caitlin. Yes. What are your strategies for stalking and moving on mule deer in the high country? So my strategy is, because we just saw some today, mm-hmm. uh, really that almost came right up to the truck we were in. I mean, I talked to them like I talked to my dog. I'm not going to lie. I so was like, hey. Did, did you like, like raise an octave in your voice? Oh, like, 100%. Like a little cutesy. Oh, little 100%. Voice? 100%. Yeah. I don't mean to, but I... I, it just happens. Yeah. I do. And you, you talk to them, engage, mm-hmm. build that trust. Mm-hmm. Get to know them. Yeah. Okay. Ashley, let's say you're in the high country. Mm-hmm. How are you going to stalk a mule deer? <laughs> <laughs> I have quite a different approach. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the Kruger <laughs> approach. <laughs> The, the, the Kruger? The Kruger? The Kruger approach. There you go. <laughs> and I'm very young, so I'm not like an old lady type. I just mean the animal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to climb up into the trees. I want to follow them. I'm going to sniff them out with my Irish nose. Uh-huh. Downwind. Matches the Irish ears. Okay. And I'm the, just going to stalk them quietly. How, how do you manage to stay quiet? Just don't, I mean, you just don't move. You got, it's practice. It's a skill. It's not uh, for everyone. Sure. It takes a lot of training. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like training for um, Ninja Warrior. Have you done that? I haven't, but I've been doing a lot of training for it. Yeah. I probably am planning to do it in 2025. You think it'll still be on? Absolutely. Do you watch it? I watch it religiously. Do you? Yeah. So Ninja Warrior quiet like a kruger through the trees sniffing them down yeah and then once you get close what happens i just jump and attack really yeah okay that's pretty aggressive so yeah aggressive world folks folks can try that out yeah you can try the the but it takes training i wouldn't try it out just like yeah yeah okay uh, how long do you sit in one spot in glass before moving on? Mm. I'm I'm not a sit still kind of person, so I'll let you take that one because we all know that. I'd like right now. I'm like right now. I'm like. Mm. I, I mean, 
I would say two things. It's either when your beer gets empty or your butt gets numb. Mm. Then it's time to move on. That's solid. Yeah. That's that, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh I think that uh that instead of making a big movement, sometimes it's good if you feel like you're in a good spot and there's some something to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe just move a little ways and yeah. get a slightly different angle. Yeah. And then try again. And maybe you just give up and then you just watch the sunset. A lot maybe. of people do that. A lot yeah. of hunters like to take sunset photos. Yeah. Maybe the that's suns- all you catch. The sunset this evening was be- Ashling got some fantastic photos and an amazing time lapse yeah. mm-hmm. of the sunset. You are on your way to becoming a hunter if you're willing to take pictures of the sunset with a cell phone. Yeah. How do you... Uh, <laughs> Hunt in the hordes of archery hunters and still be successful. See, I feel like you would like archery hunting. I feel like you'd like archery. Yeah. Because you like knives. Yeah. Archery hunting is quite a commitment. I've always wanted to try archery. It's very, it's very intriguing to me. I think you should. It's, I have I have not tried it, um, but it's definitely we'll try it something. this weekend. I think, I think we should. Yeah. What about a crossbow? I am actually interested in hunting with a crossbow. Is that like a seasonal thing? It is. A lot of states don't allow them at all. Mm. Hmm. That would be interesting. But, no, I would totally hunt with a crossbow. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Why don't states allow it? Some states don't think that it's fair um, because you don't have to draw a crossbow. It's already cocked. Um, so it's more like a rifle. And then people don't understand what a crossbow's capabilities are. Like I talked to a guy who was actually a a wildlife commissioner for the state of Oregon, which does not allow crossbows, even for people who are disabled, which is bogus. But uh, I was like, what's the deal with that? And he said, well, they shoot the same speed and distance as a rifle. Um, So a lot of rifles shoot 3,000 feet per second. Crossbows shoot under 400 feet per second. So that guy was like completely wrong. And he was the guy that was making decisions about it. So I think people watch movies and they mm. they get it jacked up in their head. Crossbows have been around since the 1400s. It's not like it's new mm. technology. They so. don't educate themselves. Yeah. It's just, on, but it's still uh, typical. Because what I've been learning from hunting is that it's all about the ethical kill. And, Ethics are critical. Yeah. And it's, but that would still be an ethical. Yeah, absolutely. Kill, right? Yeah. Yeah, crossbows kill quickly and effectively. They're accurate. You can use a uh, a BDX scope to help you with that accuracy. So the BDX scopes have a, a crossbow setting on them to mm-hmm. help yeah. you with that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty punk rock. I haven't used that, but I want to, and I totally would. Okay, how do we go about changing the culture in Oregon or other places to be more accepting of hunting? That is a really good question. I feel like you guys can actually answer this one seriously. Yeah. No, that is actually a really good question. Um, I think, honestly, one part of it would have to be, and this is pretty deep, but talking more to the quality of the meat. Hmm. My future father-in-law went out to Colorado last year and hunted an elk and shipped all the meat back, and it has... One of the greatest meat I've ever eaten in my life. Mm-hmm. And like the quality of it, how healthy and clean and mm-hmm. good it is. Um, and 
our tour today, how Ted was telling us they only harvest 1% of the animals on 100,000 acres Probably per year. Probably less than 1%. Yeah. A, yeah. He said a max of yeah. 1% yeah. each year. And just and understanding, you know, that it's helping with the population control and everything like that. Like it, it actually is a benefit and it's not just like going out and and I think understanding the the tagging system and the lotteries and yeah. all of that. I mean, I totally understand all of that. And I think it that is clean and it's easy to understand. And it it's, I understand the values and the ethics in it. And I think it's, that's what people need to understand more of. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's, and also the, the stigma behind it. Mm-hmm. And again, people not educating themselves. Correct. I mean, they're fine. You know, you're fine with, you know, going to the store, buying this meat that has pumped with chemicals and preservatives and fillers, which are terrible. But then it's like, again, you or you can go and you can focus on the quality of the meat and again, what you're putting into your body. I would also say this from an outsider's perspective is the constant photos of people posting yourself with the kill like right after I get it's such a proud moment it's like I did this especially you know the hunt the tracking all of that is very time consuming and everything and it's such a reward but that's all people see Mm -hmm. and they don't see anything anything that comes after that or what what that means to um you know that species and everything like that and if if maybe the description of that photo explained it or there were other photos that talked about it, that might help explain the whole hunting market and why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. I would, that's what I would say. The, uh, the video series that I put on the six hour hunting Instagram page from my bear hunt this spring, I showed everything except for a picture of me right after I shot the bear. Yeah. So we had, the trip in the entire hunt we had you know spotting the bear the the shot getting fired and then the next thing that we showed was me taking care of the bear hide when we were back at camp yeah and you know taking the flesh off of it and rubbing salt in it so we could preserve it i'm gonna make a rug out of it for my Mm -hmm. nephew he's two and a half years old i think he's gonna be stoked yeah um but yeah i'm and showing that not like no piece of it of the carcass goes to waste even if if even if there's parts that are left behind but explain like those parts are either to feed other you know animals yeah. or they're absorbed something's into eat it. or something's absorbed into the earth and things like that so i think that telling all that story is super important and it would really help mm-hmm. i agree yeah. more education around the process the process of it even today again when we went with ted you know he was talking about how there are cougars in the area and how they do their best to I believe it's pronounced kruger kruger, kruger. you're right it is kruger kruger there's a lot of krugers <laughs> in the area um not a lot but there's some that yeah. come onto this property and this is kind of like how we got onto this conversation with him because he was saying how you know just like farmers they care so much about the animals that are living on this land and they want to protect them. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, no one cares more. Yeah, and he said he basically said we're basically farmers. Yeah, hunters are so. Yeah, it's true. In a way, in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. Okay, this next one's going to be tough. What is your optimal arrow setup for elk? Straight, unless I'm Angelina Jolie, then I'll throw a little curve on it. You'll curve the arrow, yeah, mm. in case the elk hides behind a tree. Exactly. You and you get just it. do you kind of twist the bow as you fire to get the arrow to curve? No, I ought, I have like a separate set of arrows that are curved. Okay. And I just pick that one. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that would work out. What anything that you would like to add besides having both straight and curved arrows? I mean, I think even with the straight arrow, you know, you, you know, kind of like a curved ball, like how mm. you throw like a curveball. Yeah. I think you can do that with the arrow. Yeah, I do like an arrow that spins well in flight. Yes. It yeah. tends to stabilize quickly and, and fly a little bit straighter. So. And I think the color of the feathers makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. What colors mm. do you pick? White. They have to be white. All of them? Yep. Why yeah. is that? Just. You confer- like them white. Confirms the kill. Anything else, it's distracting, distracts me, distracts the bow, and it distracts the animal. So you want to see those white turn red. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. There's value in that. Yeah. That's a real thing. Um, it's nice to be able to see what color the blood is so you know where that arrow hit. Exactly. Is it pink and foamy? Is it dark and red? Tells right. you a lot. It does. So my arrow is a very straight Easton FMJ that weighs 650 grains with a single bevel, single blade broadhead, and four veins with a three degree offset. Mm. All of this is important. Very specific. Okay, how does uh, e-scouting for deer differ from e-scouting for elk? And in, in e-scouting is like when you're looking at Google Earth or mm-hmm. something like that. You're, you're using the, the internet to scout for these animals. So how does it differ from deer versus elk? I mean, I'm just thinking where we live. I mean, it's probably based on where you're hunting where you're going because new hampshire the northeast you really don't have elk but here they have elk and they have mule deer so i think it depends on your location and Mm -hmm. what you are looking for and what you are specifically looking to hunt okay yeah the topography so so here uh, on this ranch yeah the elk are a lot higher up Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to be looking, as opposed mm-hmm. to the deer, a lot lower, more closer to the sagebrush, everything like that. So, okay, that makes sense. So, step one: if you're e scouting for elk, don't look for them in New Hampshire. Definitely not. I mean, you could, if you found one, you'd be a hero, yeah. and you'd be discovering something new. And you know, you might still have fun and discover <laughs> beautiful New Hampshire in the process. Sure. sure. That's true. That's that's great. Yeah. Don't not look just because they say they're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any uh, still hunting strategies for black-tailed deer? Still hunting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where you move very slowly. Yeah. You're I mean, good at that. Yeah. Because, like, you like to be up in the trees. I do like to be up in the trees, but sometimes, you know, when you throw the back out or something like that, you got to yeah. stay low. 
I would, I mean, I mean, you just got to be quiet. It's rule number one. You got to be quiet. But I would just get a very good lawn chair, probably the one that reclines, and relax and be very quiet. No listening to music. Leave your Bluetooth speaker at home. No podcast. No offense. Um, <laughs> you're pretty stealthy, though. Like, I am. You're very quiet when you want to be. Yeah, for a tall, lanky girl who has no control of her limbs. And Irish ears. And Irish, and Irish ears, ears. I can be very, like, sneaky. You are, st- you are very stealthy. I mean, yeah. it's not hard to scare me, but you have I think scared that, me honestly, In all honesty, I think you just have to know what your target is. And you have to look at what the terrain is. And you have to know where you're going to step. And you have to know what you're going to hide behind. And you just, you have to have a plan. And you have to know what the end game is. Yeah, so I guess... I'm going to flip this question around. Do you know a lot of hunters that don't go out with a plan in their in their head? Like they have this plan, whether it's like, we're going to go on this trail, or this is what we're looking for, or based on the weather, this is what we're going to do today. I mean, do you, like, do you know anyone that's just like, you know what, today we're going to go out and we're just going to, we're going to wing it and see what happens. Patrick is a, is a winger. Yeah. Of course he is. See that? Yeah. <laughs> Patrick will just walk forever until the hunting season is over well he has enough energy he has an excess of energy from all the coffee that he drinks and he enjoys pain yeah yeah he likes it's weird because he (laughs) he works with us so no i think it's just weird i think it's just a weird uh thing okay patrick aside Mm -hmm. uh patrick aside no people have a plan but a lot of times their plan doesn't work out and these questions that people are asking is about developing a plan. How mm. can you develop a better plan? How can you, how can you predict what's going to happen? Like, but I think in this sense, you if you go out there and you are you know you have this plan and it you get out there and it falls to crap and you take physically three steps back and reassess. Mm-hmm. Take a minute and reassess because at the end of the day, no offense, these animals are just out there doing their thing. And my number one rule, as long as you're quiet, you can take that time to reassess your plan and, you know, reevaluate where you're going to go, what you're going to do, and go from there. You don't have to rush into it. You don't have to be like, this isn't working. Like, like event planning, right? Like we do. You got to be flexible. You got to be flexible. Shit happens. And you know what? No matter how hard you plan, something inevitably comes up Mm -hmm. and you need to pivot, adjust your plan. Yep. Calm, cool, collected. Oddly enough. 99%. Oddly enough. um, I feel like neither of you know what a black-tailed deer is and neither of you know what still hunting is, but you just gave some really solid advice for that question. Yeah. Re- yeah. Just really. from our, what we do for. Yeah. That was great. Right. I figured a black tail deer is the opposite I mean, of the white tail. What we do. In some ways, yeah. I feel like both hunting and event planning, it takes a lot of patience, <laughs> which maybe sometimes you don't have. And it, I yeah, know I it's don't tough. have any patience. Um, Again, I'm Irish. <laughs> and you gotta, you have to learn to pivot and think on your feet and just know it's going to keep you on your toes. But that's why. 
hunters love what they do and why we love what we do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 28 Nosler? It's a uh, rifle cartridge. Yes. I've seen that. Have you? I have. What do you think about it? I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. I think uh, SIG's better. <laughs> I mean, we're biased, right? Yeah. yeah. We always think SIG, SIG is better. Mm-hmm. It's a good cartridge, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a, a little bit more gun than what most people need right. for their mm, abilities. Yeah. You don't need to go be running out there with a 50 cal. All right. Some dude said, where are the big high country bucks in the Minum unit? We're not going to answer that. That's not a that's not a polite question to ask. You don't ask where are the big animals. Yeah. Oh, so. if you're, you need to do your research and yeah. you need yeah. to Sorry, homie. If you're going to if you, you need to do that yourself. Think you deserve to hunt a big animal. He needs to get up in the treetops. Yeah. Start Krugering around. Get out of your truck. Put the work in. Out mm-hmm. of your truck. Yep. They're not in your truck. Oh, they're not? Okay. Um, so what are some strategies for hunting elk when they get quiet because there's wolves around? Oh, yeah. I love wolves. They're so cute. Really? Yeah. I mean, except when they're not. I mean, you got to definitely watch your six. Mm. Rule number one. Also being quiet, which is rule number one. Rule number one A, rule number one B. Okay. But watching your six because those wolves are sneaky bastard babies <laughs> autocorrect um yeah that's a tough one i mean it's a it's a competition it's a competition it is and that's our relationship with predators yeah they are competitors mm-hmm. we're after the same resource so i think people get a little bit spoiled by elk because there are times a year when they bugle and when they cow call and they can locate right. themselves verbally but if there's a bunch of wolves around, it's not in elk's best interest to spend all day going, hey, I'm over here. Hey, yeah. I'm over here. Right. So if they get like that, just understand you've hunted all the other animals that don't make noise. Mm-hmm. So just treat the elk like one of those animals. Good point. Yeah. I was going to say that same thing. Don't be privileged. Yeah. All right. Use um, your instincts. Jaden Bales asked us to lay down some wind wisdom. Please and thank you. Any advice on uh, using or understanding the wind? Yeah. So, unfortunately, we are now, we have all become a generation of our phones. Mm. And so, we have the apps and it will tell you everything or even now. Mm -hmm. Sig, Mm -hmm. thank you for our beautiful BDX system that Mm -hmm. can help you determine all the wind measurements and everything you need which is a great tool we have but sometimes you just want to go old school and not have that um and it's the finger lick to the sky okay that's what you got to do you think it's understanding i think all right my opinion only if you're going to go out and hunt and this is like your thing and this is what you want to do at some point, you need to go and like understand how Mother Nature works. Yeah, I, I would say, in all honesty, for this one, that um, if you're not relying on your phones or whatever optic system you're using that can help you with that, I would, you know, plan ahead, not do a, I'm going to go out one day and hunt situation. It's mm-hmm. a go out and 
understand the terrain, the mountains and everything and get a feel for how the wind is out there um, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis so that when you do decide, hey, the day today's the day, you're ready and you mm -hmm. have a little bit more experience. You guys are getting really good at answering questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's it. Get out of the damn truck. Like Out of the damn truck. Get out of the truck. Start, start building that's your the, experience. That should be the... Like, Name of this episode, get I'm, out of the damn truck. <laughs> <laughs> you because know? let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's, you go out hunting, right? You have your good days, you have your bad days. The bad days when you don't get what you want to get. Mm -hmm. Do you always walk away learning something? I should. I should. There are times where a bad attitude will prevent you from having mm, um, the sure. ability to look back mm -hmm. at what happened and turn it into learning or turn it into positivity. But that's positivity. an everyday. That's in people's everyday thing. Right. Yeah. Like no matter what it is, that's an everyday thing. Yeah. If you're really, especially with hunting, with how, you know, expensive it is and how dedicated people are to it and how important it is and how people are trying to get across, like it's actually – a good thing and stuff. Um, I think people need to take the time to, and that's why asking these questions and listening to podcasts and reading books and articles and stuff is super important to really understand and get the advice that they need to yeah. mm -hmm. have a successful hunt. Yeah. But don't be afraid to just go collect experience. Yeah. Like go live in it. And same thing with shooting. Like there's, bunch of tools and apps and you know books written about how wind affects bullets oh absolutely but mm -hmm. if it's windy dudes stay home and they don't want to go shooting it it's like you want to learn how to shoot in the wind go shoot when it's windy mm -hmm. like you want to learn how wind and is then on the that's mountain. when all the animals are going to come out because they're never hearing a gunshot so they're going to be out <laughs> all the time <laughs> yeah yeah you guys are getting good i like this <laughs> okay uh some tips for hunting areas you have not scouted before so you're you're brand new you're brand new to the show how are you going to hunt there i mean you just gotta go out and explore it step mm -hmm. one out of the truck That's get what we're out of the one. truck get out of the damn truck Do, we're gonna have be, some, be quiet be quiet we're gonna have some good boots on our feet watch your six good boots excellent advice mm -hmm. um the typography know where you're going don't get lost that's I my, mean, that's my rule number one is don't get lost. I yeah. feel like, again, no, educate not. yourself on. That's rule number two. Educate yourself on like, where, where am I going? Like where, what's the area? What's around? Like, I don't know. But oh, that's me. Put, I have to put be some like markers that. down. Explore. Look at a map. Yeah. Yeah. Start hiking. Make it be a yeah. whole experience, not just a. Have what? water. Hydrate. Mm. Very important. Yeah. Have some snacks, some fuel. I'm not great at drinking water. I should get better at that. We're great at drinking wine, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah you guys are crushing it. <laughs> so, Desiree Joyce, uh, former Marine, asks, where to learn to shoot a bow as an adult? Important question. And Because and I want, you want I would to know love too. to know this. I yeah. would love to know this too, because I think, yeah, because I, I have no idea where you, where do you go? I have a great answer for you. I think I have an answer for Desiree, but I'm curious, Ashley, what your advice is. Yeah, my, uh, so I have a friend who's been shooting a bow since he was like, yay, hi. 
And uh, I just think it's one of those things where you got to start young. And if you don't, you probably just were never granted the skills. Ooh, I disagree so hard. I'm sure you do. And that's totally fine. But I mean, because then all you're going to hear about is like the complaining, my hands hurt, the blisters, the calluses, blah, blah, blah. All I give up. I can't do it. I can't get it right because that's what adults do. We give up so easily. But as kids, no, we're determined to get it and mm. do it and keep it going and get that skill. And I just think that it's it's a especially bow hunting that is that's a tough one i i think well we're just talking about shooting a bow to start with well yes correct but i don't know i think it's doable i just think it's for the so caitlin you have a great resource in um the group new england sportswomen that mm-hmm. uh jill of plant runs mm-hmm. over there yeah yeah yep. um because those women know everything that there is to know in the area and you've got a group that can speak your language can help you out and get you pointed in the right direction show you which pro shops to go to where the ranges are you know how to get into equipment hey i've got this i don't use it anymore and save you some money stuff like that and i think those groups probably exist everywhere so yeah that that's an easy enough thing to search for the and only social thing- media has those groups like facebook groups yeah. or whatever where yeah. you can you know get into those that makes sense so yeah I guess it's like I I I want to try it. It's like I just want to try the experience of it. I mm-hmm. just think it'd be cool because I I also think it's a test of like your strength and your body. Mm-hmm. It's really cathartic. Like as you draw a bow and you add tension to that tool, and then you use your eye and your body and all of your muscles and all of your focus and intent to find a spot on the target, and you go through the the mental process that you've learned of taking the shot and then you release that arrow and all of that energy goes forward, whether you hit the target or not, it's a release for you. And it feels really good to shoot a bow and the history of mankind includes archery. Like we are all descended from archers. And if it weren't for the bow, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. None of us. Right. And it is so embedded in society that all the directions that we have, are indicated with an arrow. Like of all Absolutely. the shapes we could have picked to show a direction, we choose the arrow. Yeah. Like it, it's pointed the way for all of us for mm-hmm. for a long time. So I, I really encourage people to uh, to try archery. It's not hard to try. You know, you can, you can swing by a bow shop and say, hey, can I try yeah. shooting a bow? And they'll be like, heck yeah. You know, and it can be as simple as that. You can do it on your lunch break and see if you like it or not. But I highly recommend going to a pro shop, not like a Bass Pro or Cabela's or something like that. Like try and find a a pro shop and and they'll get you started out right. So that's my advice to to Desiree as well. Um, Okay, can you go into some detail on when it's okay to make noise in the elk woods versus not? Oh, Hmm. when can you break the silence? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the first one to break it. Yeah. I need someone else to break it. Okay. Like today in the truck when we were, everyone was like being silent. I was like. So you can break the silence when you make the kill and then you celebrate. Okay. I actually, I think you're really onto something there, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. I think that if an elk makes a noise and then you make a noise, that 
that's probably the correct cadence. I think you're really onto something. And if, if an elk is oh. dead quiet and then you make a noise, um, you've lost the initiative there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, let either if you're hunting with someone else or let the animal make, break the silence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I yeah. feel like I wouldn't, it's kind of like fishing, right? You're supposed to be quiet when you fish. Yeah. You're not, you don't talk when you fish, so. I don't even think you're supposed to breathe when you fish because you're I supposed don't... to like be like the fish and they don't breathe underwater. You've got to hold your mouth, right? Yeah. You're just not supposed yeah. to breathe. So you probably don't spend a lot of time fishing. No, no, absolutely not. Fairly short amounts of time. Yeah. Understandable. If you're not breathing. Okay. Um, tag strategies in Oregon. This has been the hardest part for this individual. Man, oh man. Um, do you have any advice for, for tag strategies? So what is the tag situation in Oregon? Well, you have to apply for tags. Okay. And every year that you don't get your first choice, mm-hmm. you get a preference point. And most of the tags go to the people who have the most preference points. Mm-hmm. So the longer you apply, the higher your odds are of getting mm-hmm. a specific tag. And so how long has this person been doing it? Maybe a long time. Like uh, there's some people who have been applying for elk tags for over 20 years without oh, drawing wow. And they can't get one. Is it, um, is there any situation where they can do like, um, like family lotteries? You can. Um, Maybe up their odds. Yeah. You can. Or like a group of friends or yeah, something you, like you that. You can apply with, as a party. Where they don't hunt. And so maybe his chances go up. Yeah. You can. You can apply as a party. And, uh, and then however many points your party has gets divided equally amongst mm-hmm. everybody. Um, so it doesn't necessarily up your odds unless the people in your party have more preference points than you do. Mm-hmm. So that would be a strategy is to find somebody with a bunch of preference points yeah. who's willing to split them with you in a party. And then you provide something to them in return. Like, Hey, I'll, I'll bring my horses and mules in here, or I'll take care of all the food for camp or I'll take care of all the meat processing if we get yeah. something. I feel yeah. like there's some Do an trading even trade. Yeah. So find somebody with a bunch of preference points. That'd, that'd be one way. I yeah. mean, not to, I haven't really heard about a lot of tags in New Hampshire. Well, you can buy I'm your... I'm sure there's some. You can buy your deer tags over the counter, but right. like moose tags are really limited. I think there's only like 20 moose tags in New Hampshire. Yeah. That is. I did, I did hear about that. Yeah. But I mean, that's also kind of like our state. Well, it's really Maine's state. And there's just not a lot of them left in New Hampshire, so no, there's not. Yeah. Gotta, gotta Preserve them. limit it. Um, my advice on this one is uh, is not to get drawn into tags that are difficult to draw. Like find units that that you can draw without very many preference points. Mm-hmm. Focus on those so that you can draw them more often. Because the more often you hunt those areas, the better you'll get at hunting them. And even these units that are easy to draw. Um, they also hold animals and some of them, if you're a trophy hunter can be really big animals. If you're a meat hunter, you know, you can find animals to be able to provide food for yourself and your family. Um, but I would, I would recommend staying away from, you know, spending years collecting preference points to get a hard to draw tag. Just focus on tags that are easy. Can they get more experience? Would it be beneficial for them to try and get a tag in another state for that animal? Yeah. Could they yeah. try and go into that? Sure. Um, Look at a state where you can get it easier. Yeah. 
Maybe. Like Colorado, you know, you can yeah. get tags pretty easily in Colorado. Yeah. 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 Do you it costs also, a little bit more money, but. Yeah. But they're also buying the experience yeah. too. Yeah. So that might yeah. be. And, you, and get a group of people to go mm-hmm. with them to help with costs or something. Do you also think it's almost like that this is like the elite tag that you need to get? And so people are kind of like, because it's limited, not everyone can get it. Right. There's that attraction. Yeah. To it. You think it must be better because it's harder to get. Right. But that's not always true. Right. Cognitive dissonance is what that that's called. Okay. Um, last question. And we've, we've beaten this bush a little bit, but um, how do you find elk in a completely new unit? So again, we're brand new to the area. How do we find an elk in it? Okay. The first thing we're doing, we're getting out yeah, of the truck. Get out truck. of the damn truck. Yeah. That's get out one. of the truck. Um, but, I mean, honestly, we're actually going to take a few days step back from there and we're going to do our research, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do some e-scouting, e-scouting, and we're going to figure it out. We're going to understand where we're going, make a plan, make a plan, even though the plan may not work, maybe have a couple plans. Yeah. Um, Or be prepared to think quick on your feet. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) There was a really cool, like (laughs) bunny going through the field hand motion there with that. Hand gesture. And there was, there was the, the beginnings of a sound effect that went with the the bunny motion. I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I wanted more of that. That's good. Uh, Maybe, you know, reaching out to some people that have hunted that area before, making some contacts out there, but then we're getting out of the truck. Yeah. We're having solid boots. Watching our six, water, and we're going for it. We're going to do some walking, maybe sit in a chair without a podcast and yeah, be patient for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do some glassing until your butt gets numb. Butt gets numb, beer move, gets empty. Move a little bit, mm-hmm. do some more glassing. Yeah, breathing. Breathing exercises I've been learning are really relaxing. And mm. they, they. Mm-hmm. So this is different from ha- fishing. It helps with patience, definitely different from fishing where you have to hold your breath, but it helps with the patience situation, especially with hunting where you're like, where are they? Like they were just here yesterday. They go, they're going to come back. Um, so got to have that patience mm-hmm. and, you know, five minutes is not long enough. Mm. So you got to be prepared to hang out for a little bit. Yeah. So. And if you don't get anything, willing to walk away with lessons learned. Yes, absolutely. Maybe get a journal. And at the end of the day, dear diary, <laughs> I didn't get the kill, but this is what I've learned. Ooh. This has been astoundingly good advice <laughs> for for two people who have never hunted, may never hunt. <laughs> This has been really good. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm learning things. There, there's some things here I'm gonna gonna apply. I I thought this was just gonna be funny. <laughs> this turned into a lot of good advice. I'm really appreciative of, of the both of you. This has been this is this has really been a blast. honestly actually really fun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> this Surprisingly, <was> fun. <laughs> very well, fun. I'm looking forward to the rest of the, this event. Um, you know, by the time this podcast comes out. Actually, right when this podcast comes out, our competitors will be going to sight in their rifles and then step out yes. in the course of fire. Yeah. And the yeah, next epic. podcast Super you hear excited. is going to be about the actual uh, Hunter Games. Yeah. 
You're not going to want to miss it because there's some really interesting people coming. Amazing I cannot people. wait to Amazing. such skill in well, so many it's fields. People from it's huge celebrities from their in industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so these people are amazing and they're coming out here to they're pumped. They are so pumped. I mean, if you follow Sig um hunting their Instagram, it's the battles these teams are already having. It's yeah. epic. It's amazing. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. And, and and these people are all famous not for like TikTok or you know, how they how they look. No, they're not me. Like, but yes. <laughs> these people are famous because they're the best in the world at whatever it is that they Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we've got everything from skiers to snowmobilers to snowboarders to UFC fighters mm-hmm. and football players and baseball players. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, all these tremendously talented individuals. And then we've paired them up with the most skilled hunters and guides on the continent. Mm-hmm. Yes. In teams of people who have never met before, mm-hmm. shooting identical equipment. Yes. And then we're going to put them in situations that are realistic hunting scenarios where they're walking and sleeping in tents and being quiet and watching their being six. Quiet. Hopefully they're being quiet and watching their six. They're fueling, they're drinking learning. water. Learning. They're learning. Yeah. yeah. And you guys have spent a ton of time out on this course of fire, you know adjusting and readjusting and like making all these changes and adapting, especially because it's been months of planning and the weather has been changing. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's been changing because of that. And so I think it's just going to be, I mean, I'm so pumped for them to, I, they're all pumped for them to arrive and they're so competitors village with all the tents and them camping out is going to be so cool. So I think it's really about the experience for them coming out here and just experiencing this, experiencing meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And they want to win. They like, want to win. Training with, with, training with new that people. Trophy, oh, yeah. That yeah. trophy is epic. So Yeah. Well, yeah. we're not going to tell them too much about the trophy. No, the trophy is going to be cool. There's a trophy. But also, because we've all been on the course of fire, how gorgeous is it? Yeah. It's it is Wildflowers. It's green. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean. Aspens. We've talked. We talked about this. I mean, we went out there. We checked it out, and it was. I could have stayed out. there I was all blown night. away. Yeah. Absolutely blown away. Like, there's no words to describe how. I would have been gorgeous. fine just staying out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just park Agreed. the truck and leave me. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all. We're done. This is fun. Thanks cool. for the advice. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Thank you. I live in an old cabin with bad to non-existent insulation and wood heat. That cabin can see snow every month of the year and needs a good amount of firewood stacked in the woodshed to carry through the colder months. This spring, as my woodpile turned to smoke and ash, I noticed something metal pushing out of the decades of sawdust and bark. I kicked at it and unearthed a Stanley thermos. The cup was missing and it showed more worn stainless steel than green. There were dents in the metal and the handle looked like a puppy had chewed on it, but it still hadn't leaked the old coffee I could feel slosh inside. It took me back to memories of cutting firewood with my dad, waking up early for an elk hunt, or going out to the canyons to gather cattle. A Stanley thermos has the durability to survive whatever hard work you throw at it. You may find it carries memories as well as coffee. Learn more about their new and Classic line of products at stanley1913.com or at your local sporting goods store. And catch you next week.
thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.